Welcome to Crossroads Church and those who are watching online. We're so glad that you're with us today. Well, can you believe it? It's four uh, more weeks until Christmas. Wow, it's amazing. I, I just can't believe it. And throughout the year, we've been emphasizing prayer, purpose, and possibilities, and we continue to pray and believe for our miracles, for the great move of God, for our one in 21, for healing and deliverance. And so we're believing for many more testimonies as God continues to move powerfully. This year, we've seen so many people afflicted with COVID throughout the country and throughout the world. Um, so many people afflicted, right? And uh, with fear and, and depression, isolation, anxiety, right? We, have, we got a list of that today as well. And that often stems from the virus, but it stems from so many other things as well. We can't just keep blaming everything on the virus, you know? There's so many other things happening in the world and so many other anxieties and relationship issues and people issue. It just, it just compounded things and just made things uh, even worse, right? And so one might say we're living in troubled times, troubling times, right? And in many ways we are. And so what do we do when things are just not going our way, when that, not going the way we expect it? When we're just overwhelmed with life and circumstances go from bad, uh, maybe even worse. And when our expectations are not being met, they're not being met by our friends and our family and by our work and by our church. And even worse, when it's not being met by God. Um, who do we turn to? Who will we turn to? What do we turn to? Well, today I want to remind you and encourage you. Um, that it's about God, about the God of wonder, amen? And when we look towards Him, our problems start to shrink. They start to get smaller. And He will hear our cries, and He will answer our prayers. And for those who don't know Him in a personal way today, maybe you'll get to a glimpse of King Jesus today, the God of wonder who can transform your heart and mind and, and life, I believe, that, and give you a new beginning. And maybe today your eyes will be open. And you'll see him with more clarity today. That's my hope. Uh, and if you listen carefully, uh, listen carefully to, uh, to what you hear, and you might hear his quiet voice speaking to you, this gentle voice speaking to your inner, inner heart right, and soul. And when that hap happens, just simply respond. Simply let go and let God. Just respond to him and let him do a work in you and move towards him. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's nice to get a do-over. It's nice to just get a reset. You know, sometimes I play chess and lately we just went to a, uh, a family function and one of my nephews are playing chess. And so I haven't played in a really long time. So I have a little electronic board and I played. And this, there's like 19 levels and a one, level one. I did beat the computer eventually at level one, but it's only level one. But what I do is I do a take back. I do a reset and I play it over and over again until I beat it. Because sometimes you just need a reset and that's not cheating. It's not cheating. It's a reset. It's a reset. Don't we need a reset sometimes in life? I don't know about you, but I think we need to do over sometimes. And I believe when you repent and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you put him first in your life, right? You get a reset. You get a new life, right? You get eternal life with, with King Jesus. It's amazing. And many have just wait too long, been living this life on their own, by themselves. It's time for us to awaken it's time for our eyes to be open. Fix our eyes and gaze on Jesus Christ. Amen. The Savior of the world. And it starts by looking at the God of wonder. So this morning, 
we will start a short four-week Advent called Make Room for the Savior. Make Room for the Savior. And as we do this, my, my prayer this morning is that you'll start seeing the God of wonder with more clarity. Amen? And so I've entitled this message, Open My Eyes in Wonder. Open My Eyes in Wonder. Now, before I, I get deeper into this message, I want to explain the word Advent, what Advent means for many Christians. Uh, four Sundays in December are a time to prepare our hearts and remember the birth of Jesus Christ and the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So the word Advent in Latin means coming, coming, right? And usually a time of spiritual reflection and uh, preparation. And for many, Christ, Christ, Christmas, I should say, is a time to celebrate Santa Claus is coming to town and family gatherings and gift givings. But as Christians, it should be so much more than that. It's to remember the Lord's birth, the coming of Jesus Christ. God entering earth in the flesh, in human form. Every Christmas, my family gets candles. We light candles and we gather together and we read the Christmas story. It's a precious time. And my wife Jennifer often will make coffee and hot chocolate and breakfast treats for us. And before we open any of our gifts, we sing happy birthday to Jesus. Happy birthday to him. We blow out the candles and, and we, thank, we thank him for his gift to us. And the many blessings that we have received during that season and during this season and, and throughout the season. But whatever your traditions are during the Christmas season, take a moment and just pause and take a moment and just think about the great things of God and the great wonders of God and be grateful for the many blessings that he has bestowed on us and, and you and this church and really this country, but especially for the birth of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer and Savior of the world. And we'll speak more to that in a few moments. So I have a short scripture verse that I'd like to read this morning. We'll get further into this message when we we're going to get into the book of uh, Habakkuk, uh, chapter 1. And you'll find that in the back of the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at chapter 1 of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 5. So let's just stand for a few moments. And how do you guys say Habakkuk? Habakkuk, right? Habakkuk? How do you say it, Harry? Habakkuk. So there's like five different renderings of it. Can I say Habakkuk? <laughs> How do you say it? Habakkuk? Close enough. Habakkuk? Habakkuk? <laughs> Habakkuk? Habakkuk? All right, now I still can't get a straight answer from everybody here. Habakkuk. I looked it, I looked it up and I actually, hit the, I actually hit this button that's supposed to be like a smart person, smarter than me, telling me Habakkuk. But I was like, I never say Habakkuk. So now I'm not even sure of myself anymore. How do you say it, Michelle? No, I'm not going to call him happy. So I'm, I'm going to say Habakkuk, whatever, we'll just deal with it. Because I don't even know which way I, I normally say it anymore. It messed me so much up. All right, I'm just going to take a sip of water because I, I just feel my throat raspy already. All right, that should give you really enough time to find it in the Bible. That's really what I'm doing. It's, it's in the end of the Old Testament. No, really not. But all right, all right. I'll leave the jokes for later. But short verse, verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm, doing, I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. 
The New American Standard Bible says it this way. Look among the nations, observe, and there's exclamation marks. Be astonished, wonder, because I'm doing something in your days that you will not believe if you were told. And on the surface, this is such a wonderful portion of scripture, this verse, verse 5 here, right? It brings us hope and it seems uh, to be saying, watch, observe, be astonished by God, be, be utterly amazed by, by God. And he's going to do something great and he is doing some great things. And so be utterly amazed. And so this morning I want to talk about the God of wonder. Let's be utterly amazed. And be amazed by him. But it's also equally important that when we read scripture, we must do it in light of scripture. And not just cherry pick our favorite verses in the process or, or read these verses out of context. So as we go deeper into this portion of scripture, we'll learn that Judah was going to be in trouble. And the world is going to see it. And they're going to be amazed by what they see. But there's a twist in the story, right? So let's pray and go deeper into this message. Open my eyes in wonder start seeing the God of wonder with more clarity hallelujah oh God help us to see you with more clarity bless this word oh God bless the hearer oh Lord transform our hearts mighty God help us to see you with more clarity today in Jesus name amen and amen you may be seated I don't know about much about Habakkuk, you can tell I don't even know his name, except that he's a prophet and he's going to give an interesting prophecy. And probably not what we expect. And there's no history about him. There's no personal information here. There's no, no family background given, right? Um, his name just seems to appear nowhere else in the Bible except this place. So Habakkuk means embrace. This, this name means embrace. Habby means embrace, it, it seems like. And maybe it's because we are to embrace these truths and, and, and steady ourselves as what is going to come and what's going to happen in this story. And we, we might have thought this portion of Scripture was going to mean something else, but then there's a twist here. And it's, and it's not so simple and not so clear um, what, what it seems to mean in Scripture. When you read Scripture in light of context, it seems to be changing. This prophet is speaking to God, the God of wonder. He's speaking to the God of wonder. And, and our God is the God of wonder. And there's times that he's going to make you wonder, right? What is he doing? What's actually happening? What's he doing? Because he's also the God of judgment. He's the God of judgment. And so the prophet is burdened here. And Habakkuk has lived through a period of national revival. But now he's living during a time of spiritual decline. Heartache and hard times are happening and things seem to be getting worse now. And the prophecy is bothering him here. And he seems to be going back and forth and having a dialogue with God. And he's basically asking God, why does evil prevail? Why does evil prevail? But it's more than that, right? He, he seems to be asking God, God, why God doesn't, why don't you do something about the evil? Why don't you do something about what's happening in Judah and maybe even in the world? And stop it. Why, do, why does evil prevail? And let's read verse 2 if you have your Bibles open or, or your phones or whatever you have open these days. Verse 2 of that same chapter. You might want to keep that chapter open for a little bit. How long, O oh Lord, does the prophet speak in? Must I call for help? But you don't listen or, or cry out to you. Violence. But you do, you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? 
Destruction and violence are, are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. And therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hems in or surrounds the righteous so that justice is perverted. And don't you wonder at times, where is God? Don't you wonder why so much evil exists in the world? Where is God? Why doesn't God just simply stop it? And why does he allow us to see evil and see wickedness and see all the things that are happening that are injustice in this country and around the world? But let me first say this. Try to answer it also this way in the process. Thank God he's a patient God. Thank God he's patient with us because we all deserve death. That's what we deserve. Sin, sin kills. Sin destroys, right? We're all sinners. And the Bible says we, we've all failed. We all missed the mark. We all uh, fallen short of the glory of God and, and his righteousness. But God, but God allows us to see and experience these things for several reasons. For one thing, if sin doesn't bother us, then, then we might think there's no, no reason to, to change, no reason to repent, no reason to have a savior. And when we see sin in, in us, operating through us, it, it should cause us to pause. It should cause us at times to weep and to wonder. And where do we stand with a holy God when we're so sinful and the, and the way we're living? It should humble ourselves and we should be humble before, before God. Make us change our, our, our mindset, our actions, our behavior, our attitudes. And now often we see sin in others, but we often don't see sin in ourselves. And we see sin and evil and wickedness in the world and, and in others. It should remind us that without Jesus Christ, without salvation, without him entering the world, right, we would be lost too. And we would be dying and separating, separate ourselves from a holy God. We too would be doing many of these same things. So we should be thankful and grateful that he saved us, that we're born again to those that believe in him, that we have spiritual life instead of spiritual death. And when we see sin and evil and, and, and wickedness in operation, it causes us to pray. And it should cause us to pray for people and, and salvation and to pray for a changed heart and for God's love and protection to abound. Very often when I see a fire truck or a police car and the lights are flashing and they're speeding down, or especially when I see an ambulance, right, with the lights on, I pause, I pray, and I say, Lord, protect them. Lord, Lord, get them there safely, right? Get, let them get there in a timely fashion, in a safe fashion. Now, so often our frontliners today are looked down upon, but that's because society has turned evil in many ways. Right and, and many things and many people have just been corrupted and their mind is, and their thinking is depraved. And uh, Habakkuk says, destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. But the truth is, most often, when, when they're called, right, there's an emergency or a situation that has escalated beyond the everyday person's ability to deal with it or solve it on their own. <clears throat> If someone's breaking into my house, I want the police to show up. If my house is on fire, I want the fire department to show up. Not, not just show up, but I want them to uh, do their job and do their job well and quickly. If someone is sick or injured or, or dying, I want the EMS to show up. I don't know about you, but, but I want that to happen and show up timely. And I don't want them just to show up, but I want them to show up with the right equipment and the right supplies and to show up and do their job very well because lives are at stake all lives matter. 
And while we can't control every situation that we find ourselves in, one thing is for certain, we can pray. We can seek God and we can ask Him for help and for provisions and wisdom and guidance. Then we want Him to show up powerfully. Amen? We want Him to show up powerfully and timely. And Habakkuk sees trouble everywhere. And, and times seem to be getting worse. And from personal relationships to even failed court systems of law. And he sees so much injustice running rampant. And, and he cries out, why Lord? Why don't you correct this? And I think we're dealing with many of these issues today in our, in our life and in our society. And it stops us and we say, where is God? Now, especially if you're brought up in the church, especially if you felt his presence so mightily, right? Or have been part of great revivals and you experienced the greatness and goodness and the presence of God powerfully. You're like, do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Show yourself again, Lord. Reveal yourself again, Lord, right? Where are you, Lord? We need thee. Oh, we need thee. Every hour we need thee. Reveal yourself powerfully and show up on time. Meet our needs and save us. I don't know about you, but I feel that way sometimes. Oh, Lord, come quickly. Come quickly. If you've never seen sin or wickedness or your eyes were never open to it, you might start thinking the chaos and the, and the craziness that we've experienced over the last two years is normal. It should not be normal. It should not be normal. And it's not. And sin destroys. Sin damages. Sin destroys relationships. Sin seems to divide us and separate us and divorce us from each other. It often has long-lasting effects as well. 9-11, if you remember, brought us together as a country. And COVID-19 has separated us in so many ways. It's isolated us. And many have abandoned the church and, and, and his bride. And, and they're closed or barely afloat or, or filled. And this week, I just spoke with a pastor who gave me stats on church closings and all this stuff. And then he gave me his situation. He's thinking about stepping down, frustrated with the condition of the people and their hearts and the church and their lack of unity and help. And he says, I'm just weary, Pastor Anthony. Well, he said, Anthony, I'm just weary. And this is be, being repeated over and over again throughout the country and really throughout the world. And it causes one to think, even pastors to think, where are you, God? But I wonder if our spiritual eyes were open. We would, would we see God at work? And the answer is, oh yes, we would see God at work. He's always at work. And I wonder at times, has God allowed these things like COVID and lawlessness in, in America to bring his people back to him? I would say, I don't know, but why not? Why not? Many have forsaken him. Many have forsaken his church. Many have just replaced him with idols. And, and two years ago, idols have fallen. And now they're back raised up again. And we forgot about church. We forgot about God. We forgot about the saints of God and the fellowship in so many ways. And I say we because we are all part of this. Habakkuk is shocked here at what's happening. Judah, the, the Israelite nation, is being judged. Why? For wickedness and idolatry and the abandonment of God and his ways and his principles and his words. And so the nation will watch. Nations will watch. And they will be utterly amazed. 
For the Lord is going to do something great there, right? But not what you expected. For he's going to send the Babylonians now to overtake and to enslave the people of Judah. What? Verse 6 says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, those ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are law to themselves and promote their own honor. Now, just for a teaching moment, for a second, the, some Bibles, the, the Chaldeans and the, and the Babylonians are the same people. Depends on which translation you have, just, just a point of reference. It, it's also important for us to understand that when God pulls or removes his hand of protection from people or a nation, they will fall and they will fail. Don't ever think you're more powerful than God. It is he who brings the rain. It is God that allows the ground to be watered and to bear fruit. It is he who allows the water to run and the seasons to come. It is God that allows us to breathe and have our being, right? It is God who does this. It is God, right, that does all this work. Because when he pulls or removes his hand of protection, everything in your life will change. He allows the Babylonians not only to attack Judah, but to prevail. And God is so powerful that all he needs to do is have a spoken word. All he needs to do is send one angel to wipe the Babylonian armies out. That's all he needs to do. But he doesn't. He allows this fierce army to overtake Judah. And it amazed the people. It just totally amazed them. But again, their, their wonder was not like, wow, what an amazing thing. How beautiful this is, right? It wasn't that type of wow and amazement. It was dread. It was fear. It was about warning people that God is a loving God, but he's also the God who judges. If you don't understand that about sin and wickedness and how that goes on and on and on, then, then you are misunderstanding something about God. He's the God of love, but he's the God who judges as well. And the only way that you can get out of this mess that, we're, that you're living in and I'm living in and that we're living in is for God to move his hand back towards us and save us and protect us and help us. And Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Help us in Jesus' name. You can't stand up against God's will and win. The prophet is actually a bit confused here as well. The Babylonians are more wicked than the people of Judah. More wicked. And yet God is using them to discipline and chastise uh, Judah in a severe way. Again, sin needs to be purged. And I personally think this is worse when it's done inside the house of God or inside your house or inside the church by God's people. Now, we often don't talk about discipline, uh, church discipline, right? Especially living in a world where everybody's a winner. We're all winners, right? Everyone gets a trophy. If you, you show up, you get a trophy. Even if you don't show up, you have to give them a trophy anyway because they meant to show up, right? They wanted to be on the team. Their heart was there floating somewhere around. I was with you in spirit. Don't I get a trophy? What's wrong with people? That's crazy talk. I grew up in Brooklyn. You went head to head with people, right? And you, you lost at the end of the game and you walked away with a limp and too bad. Next week you try again. It made you stronger. What, what, what is this? I don't understand. Everyone gets a trophy. That's the world standard. That's not God's. Right? Eventually, sinners will be punished. And there will be consequences for sin. 
Sin often, and in fact, let me just say it this way, sin always takes you further than you want to go. Sin in our hearts, in our church, in our, in our homes, in our life needs to be purged. And he doesn't. Christ, God comes surgically and does it and performs it beautifully. He doesn't just come to destroy. He's doing it meticulously. Like removing cancer from your body is being done pure. If, the, if a butcher just comes in and does it, you lose your head to get the, to the cancer. That's crazy. You have a surgeon that comes in and meticulously does things. And when we do wrong, there must be repentance, church. There must be a, a refusal, right, of, of turning towards sin. Turn to God. And this creates so many other problems when sin is not purged from your life. And nevertheless, the prophet is saying this in, in verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look at evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. He's talking to God. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallows up more righteous than themselves? Those more righteous than yourself, themselves. I like saying something like this. As the Lord is helping us to fight, just imagine, as the Lord is helping us to deal with coronavirus, he sends us like a mega of Ebola to solve the problem. That, that makes no sense. Or, or when we have looters and rioters taking over the world, he brings in some foreign military army to get the job done. Makes things in our hearts seem worse. Or what it seems to be worse. But he has a purpose. And we see this happening, that he sends the Babylonians into Judah. But let me encourage the church this morning as well, right? Regardless of what we go through in our future, in our today, don't think and wonder, has God abandoned you? Has he abandoned us? Has he abandoned the church? No, no way. His words are true. His ways are right. His wisdom is great. His vision is clear. And his justice is perfect. Hallelujah. So when we face hard hard times, turn to the Lord in prayer and faith and, and hope, knowing that all his promises are true. They yea and amen. Habakkuk watched and waited to see what the Lord is going to do. And we ought to do the same, but never stay idle and do nothing. Pray and watch and, and see the glory of God and see what he does in such a magnificent way. And he, I believe he will deliver his people. Open, open, our eyes, our eyes must be open for the things of God if we want to truly help others to see with more clarity as well. How can, how can we help others if our eyes are, aren't clear and we're not seeing rightly? In chapter 2, verse 4, he tells us the just shall live by faith. In chapter 3, he prays for revival, beginning at verse 2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So in good times and bad times, we have to pray. In good times and bad times, we are supposed to come before the Lord in prayer and praise. And we have to stand in awe of what he's doing and what he has done and what he's going to do. He's not finished with us, church. There's more work for us to do. Wake up. And Judah and the people of Israel will eventually end up in captivity for 70 years. These historical and biblical accounts remind us that God is always faithful to his people, but he will also judge sin. And while many people seem to be getting away with sin these days for a season, sin will eventually be dealt with. God is sovereign, which means he has absolute right 
to do all things according to his own good pleasure. He rules over all things, all people, and his purposes will go forth, even if he allows man the free will, free will to sin and make choices and reject him. Now, I like to spend the remainder of this message looking at the God from creation to when he sets up his kingdom on earth. And so let's, let's choose to make room for the Savior as we open our eyes in wonder. When we think about the God of wonder, I'm not sure what comes to mind for you. But what, what came to mind for me was creation. Creation immediately came to mind. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20 says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men and women and people are without excuses. So when I think about God, God's wonder and awe, several things come to my mind. Number one, the wonder of His creation. The wonder of his creation, that's probably at the top of my list. And it can be clearly seen and understood by what he has made. The Bible is filled with wonder of God. Psalm 75 says, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. Men tell of your wonderful deeds. And the first book of the Bible, and the first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning God created, right? What? The heavens and the earth. It was God who created. God created everything that was. He created everything that we see. Every animal, every fish, every bird, every insect. He created every mountain, every hill, every valley. He created the water, the air that we breathe, the heat. And all these things seem to be connected in such a marvelous and intimate and intricate way and order. He created the stars, the moon, the planet, the universe, and time doesn't allow us to get into more details of these wonders, but it's, a, it's amazing. He created us in His image. We have been fearfully and wonderfully created and made by Jehovah God. Just think about the heart and how it beats. Boom, boom all the time, right? You don't even think about it. It's beating the brain and how we think and process things, right? The eye and how intricate the eye is, right? And, and, when, and when we think about it, how can we not see the beauty and the wisdom and the glory of God, His invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature? Psalms 33 verse 8, and I got some more verses here, so you might not be able to find it fast enough. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Jeremiah 5 verse 22, should you not fear me, declares the Lord. Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. Psalms 86, beginning at verse 8, says, Among the gods, there's none like you, O Lord. No deed can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous things. You alone are God. There's none other like God, right? You alone are God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth, your truth, not just any truth, God's truth. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name 
forever. For great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. And may I simply add, open my eyes, O God, so that I can see you with clarity, that I can see you more clearly, so that I can understand you more, and I turn towards you in faith. When I think about the wonders of, of God, the awe of God, I think about the wonder of creation. Secondly, I think about the wonder of his birth. And as we begin to reflect on this Advent, the, the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ, the entering of Christ into, into earth and the flesh, how can we not speak about the virgin birth and what a miracle that was? And you can refer to that in, in the book of Luke and Matthew. In the book of Luke, Mary was startled and even shocked by the news of the angel Gabriel who visited her uh, in Nazareth in the town of Galilee. And he asked, how will this be? Since I am a virgin, how will this be? You see, this was a wonderful, miraculous birth. The angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary wondered what kind of greeting this might, might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. I don't know if you've seen an angel just pop up. Everyone's just like, Yo, what's up, bro? No. You just fall down and it's a holy moment. It's like, rise up. You know what I'm saying? Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give you... Uh, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. The kingdom will never end. This is so prophetic, church. And now in a, in a moment, we'll speak a little bit more about the wonders of the cross and salvation. But before he goes to the cross, right, long before he, he was even a baby, he existed. And this might be one of the greatest wonders of all for us to ponder. God always was. He self-existed. Nothing can be added to him and nothing can be removed from him. And while we often to refer to him as Savior, he must also be Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the great I am. He is the God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth, right? He split the Red Sea. He builds kingdoms up. He tears them down and he destroys what he wants to destroy. And he loves us so greatly that he comes to earth in the form of a baby. And, and it's Jesus in the form of, the, of a baby. We call this the incarnation. Jesus comes in the flesh. Jesus comes in human form. 100% God. 100% man. Wow. Can we really fully comprehend this? No, I don't think so. Yet it's true. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. Why? Because he was born of a virgin. It doesn't make sense. Her name was Mary and, and her husband was Joseph. And they never consummated the relationship until after Jesus was born. This blows my mind. But yet it's true. And God's ways are always greater. God's ways are always higher than us. Unfortunately, people want to bring him down so low to only human terms. And therefore, they can't see and fathom his greatness, his majesty, his divinity, his ways. But Jesus came to earth because he loved us. And Jesus came to earth because he wants a deeper relationship with each and every one of us. And Jesus came to earth to seek and save those that were lost, those that were hurting. But from what? The penalty of sin, death, and banishment from his presence. Sin separates us and distances us from a holy God. And sin is running wild throughout 
our bodies, our DNA in a sense is corrupted. We choose to sin. We're sinful people. And our bodies feel the pain of the sin. And to repair and make it right, what went wrong in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when they first sinned? A plan was set into motion, right, into action by, by God, a holy God, our God, right, the Redeemer of the world, right, to save us and to bring mankind back into a right relationship with him and with others. He does that by first sending his son to earth to live with us, to walk with us, to walk with people. But he found it necessary to send his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on a cross. When I think about the wonder of God, I think about creation, I think about his birth, and I think about the wonder of the cross. Again, at Christmas time, make room for Jesus. Make room for the Savior of the world. Make room for his love. Make room for peace. Make room for his joy. And while he came as a baby, he died as a man. And it was at the cross and through the cross that Christ will save us and set us free from the bondages and strongholds of sin. He will send us his Holy Spirit to reside in us and help us and not leave us abandoned. And while we might think there's a better way, be careful here. Because in a sense you're saying you're smarter than God, you're wiser than God, you're greater than God. But in his perfect wisdom and justice, he deemed this the best way. And while I personally marvel at this, I believe him and trust him. And his designs are perfect. They're perfect, church. His plans are perfect. And death is God's just punishment for sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin brings death, but God brings eternal life through his son Jesus Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. And those who believe and put their trust in him will be saved forevermore. Now, during the ancient days, men would sacrifice an innocent lamb in order to pay the price for their sins. But we know this process was not perfect. And what was required was a life for a life. So Jesus steps into history and takes his place on the cross, our place. And God cannot let sin go unpunished. So he sent his son, who was sinless and perfect, to die on a cross. Jesus is the perfect lamb of God who was slain once and for all. Therefore, we don't need to repeat this process over and over again. We don't need to keep killing animals and, and, and doing blood sacrifices anymore. Thank God for that. I'm so glad I'm born in this season and this hour. God, God has put us perfectly in this season and this hour, right? I, I, I'm, not in, I'm glad I can just go to a, a farm and get my chicken. That I don't have to do all the things that one has to do. But, but that's just me. I love the time frame that I live in. But Jesus paid the price, right, for our life, with his life. He paid it in full. And those who trust Jesus, trust in his, his life, his burial, his death, his resurrection, and make him Lord, will be saved. They place their, their faith in him. Remember, it's not just your Savior. He's not just your Savior. He must also be your Lord and Savior. Many people want saving, but they don't want him to be Lord. 
of their life. That means they have to change their actions and their attitudes and, and they want to do their own things and follow their own ways and methods. Look, open our eyes to see you as both Lord and Savior. When I think about the wonders and awe of God, I think about the wonders of his soon return called the second coming, right? And this would be the second advent. Jesus comes as a baby, but he will also return one day to set up his kingdom. In fact, the Bible mentions this uh, over 300 times, in, right? So it's amazing. So the Lord wants us to understand something about this, something about the second advent as well, and it's, and it's amazing. And let me quickly try to explain what's happening and, 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 and what we teach in this church. I, I, in a sense, teach two phases of the second coming, the takeoff and the touchdown. So let me just explain this further. Don't go football on me now all of a sudden. I know you just went somewhere else. You're thinking lunch and football. No, just stay here for a second, right? I believe in the rapturing of the saints of God. And this is not actually the second coming, but the beginning of the end times, right? We refer to it as the rapture, the takeoff, the snatching away of the saints, his bride, his, his what I call true church from the world. It's a, in a blinking of an eye. We who trust him will be snatched away, the rapture. We, we call this phase the rapture. It will end the church age from, from, from the apostles to, to the rapturing is the church age. So we're all part of this, right? That's why miracles and, 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 and just the gifts are all active today. And it starts the time of trouble or tribulation. After the rapture, tribulation, a period of seven years of chaos and hard times on earth, such that the world has never seen. And if you think times are bad now or were bad in the past, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I pray you never have to experience this at all. And the church, the bride, will be removed from planet Earth. And his hand of protection on Earth will be removed. And terror and destruction will take place in the world. And there will be no place to run and no place to hide. And no government is going to be able to figure this all out. And this is when the mark of the beast will be given out. And many will suffer and have to die and this is where Israel's going to be pressed and a peace treaty with Israel's going to be broken. And three and a half years in and then there's three and a half years left. And this whole period lasts seven years. But in heaven, the saints of God that were raptured, the bride of Christ, they will be feasting with the groom and King Jesus. Hallelujah. At the end of seven years, there's going to be a great battle on earth, the battle of Armageddon. And the Lord is going to come and destroy those who rise up and revolted against him and against Israel. And Jesus will return with his bride, the true church, to earth as he promised. And he will plant his feet on the Mount of Olives and set up his kingdom. And Zechariah 14 verse 4 says, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountains moving north and half moving south. It will happen, as he said. His, his prophetic word will come true. Acts chapter 1 tells us that Jesus was taken up before the disciples' very eyes and will come back the very same way which he left to go into heaven. And so he left... He left in a cloud from the Mount of Olives, and that is where he's going to return. And the wonders about the second coming can be overwhelming, even confusing. But one thing is for sure and certain. While the rapture is going to be a surprise, surprise, it's just going to happen. Just like that, too late for you to, to turn to him. And we don't know the season when that's going to happen. So we must be ready or else we're going to be surprised. 
We must be saved. We must turn our life over to him. We must invite Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of our life. Before that time takes place. Because after that time, it's locked and loaded. Your destiny is locked and loaded. But we, but we do know when the second coming is going to happen. Generally, right? At the end of the tribulation time, when Jesus comes back to earth. And he sets up his kingdom where the rule and reign will be. So it's going to be right after the seven year tribulation. And then he goes right into thousand year reign. Lord, open our eyes to understand these wonders. When I think about the wonder and awe of God, I think about the wonders of a, a new heaven and new earth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, But in keeping with his promise, his promise is a true yea and amen, we are looking towards a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. When I think about the wonder and the awe of God, I think about the wonder of eternity. Those who place their trust in Jesus, who follow his ways and believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, will gain eternal life with Jesus Christ, according to Scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will, will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. And I'm sure if we went around the room this morning, each one of you would have your own experience of the wonders of God. I hope you do. And it would come out in various ways. And you would speak about how God did this and how I experienced this. And I know his words are true. For many of us, he has opened our heart and eyes to see more of his love and greatness. And more of that happens as we yield more of our heart and turn more of our life over to him, he is the God of wonder. Amen. And Psalms 40 verse 5 says it this way. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you have planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. Hallelujah. And so we stand in amazement of God. We're astonished by God. What he has done, what he has accomplished, what he still will do, not only in our life and in this church and our families, but throughout the world and the ages to come. God is amazing. God will astound you, right? Now, maybe he might come back today. He might come back tomorrow or sometime in the near future, but he is coming back and you don't know when it's your turn. But regardless of when you pass from this world to the next, we know for certain that he's coming back. We know for certain that he loves you. We know for certain he cares about you. We know for certain that all his promises are true. Every one of them are true and will come to pass. And we start to understand eternity forever. It's going to astonish you. If you can even get a glimpse of it, it's going to utterly amaze you. If you can just get a small little glimpse of how awesome our God is, eternity is just another great wonder to consider. I know personally I can't even begin to comprehend forever. I wonder about it. I think about it. I read his words. Streets of gold. Angels flying around or whatever happens up there. I mean, it's just going to, whatever it's going to be, it's going to blow your mind. One thing's for certain. I want to be there with Jesus. One thing's certain. I want to be with other like-minded believers. One thing's certain. I want my family and friends, even my enemies. I hope you can say that. I want even my enemies to be there. Oh, Lord, save them. Oh, Lord, forgive them. Oh, Lord, because there's going to be a resurrection. You will live for eternity, right? It's certain. 
I can't imagine a, a better place to be. Whatever you can imagine on earth, whatever paradise means to you, whatever you can imagine, whatever your eye can behold, nothing compares to heaven. Nothing compares to eternity. Nothing compares for living for King Jesus. There's so much more important things to consider in life. Eternity starts the day you were born. And really, let me say it this way, eternity begins the day you were conceived in mama's womb, right? And so regardless if those babies were murdered legally or miscarried or born naturally or through a C-section, they're going to live, they're going to be in heaven. They're in heaven right now, I believe, with God. But for adults, where are you going to spend the eternity? That's probably the most... Youth, youth too. Children too. If you understand what I'm saying, then you have a decision that you have to make. Where will you spend eternity? With whom will you spend eternity? In the presence of God and angels and other saints? Or the presence of man and demons and the devil? Will it be heaven or will it be hell? Your choice. Sovereign God gave you a choice. Make it. Now while we live on earth... And our eternity already started in a sense. We will live right now with sinners and saints. But only saints, only believers in the Lord Jesus Christ will end up in heaven and spend eternity with him. And so my prayer for you, church, is this. That your eyes be open. That your eyes be open. That you behold the wonders of God. That you behold his words. And you seek out his presence. And you rejoice in the Lord. Every day rejoice in the Lord, regardless of what happens on earth. And if you never stop believing in who He is and what He has done and what He will do and what He will continue to do in and through you, you will be astonished. You will be utterly amazed of the plans that He has for you. And He says, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told his words are so true, his words are so reliable. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, in a very personal way, you've never made him Lord and Savior of your life. You can do that right now. You don't have to wait another moment to speak to him from your heart. Tell him your woe before you go, woe. Now maybe you have taken your spiritual walk with him for granted, but whatever it is, pause for a moment right now. Just speak to him from your heart. Ask him to open up your heart and your eyes to see him with more clarity and make room for Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, as we go and experience the next four weeks learning more about the Messiah. Amen. Let's just stand. Let's sing this song that the worship team has for us and continue to consider the great wonder and awe of God. Amen. These altars are open too for those who want to
Surround us, O Lord, with your presence, O Lord. Help us to see you, O God, the God of wonder. Hallelujah. Bless your name, O God. We bless your name, O Lord. We bless your name, O Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. Continue to press in, church. Continue to press in. God has more for you. Make this year a great year. We're not, we even, we're not finished with this year yet. So you have one, you have a, another month and a change to make this year end on a great positive note, all right? Let's believe for our miracles. Let's believe for our healing. Let's believe for a touch of our mind and our heart and our body. Amen. Let's end strong. Let's finish well. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for life. We thank you, Lord, because you're the God of wonder, oh God. Help us, Lord, to see you with more clarity. Lord, help us to complete this year strong and healthy, putting forth your will, O oh God, and sharing your wonders with a lost and dying world. May we spread your love wherever we go. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bless you, church.